that you want us to know in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> so we're talking about the haters assigned against your life. So we'll finish up with that or continue with it. Um, I never say finish because I never know what God will reveal. But uh, we talked some about uh, why this is so, uh, there's such a, uh, an edge, a, kind of a hateful edge uh, <clears throat> on on atmospheres and lives and words and so forth. And we found the answer in Revelation 12:12. 12, 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. That's us. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. And so part of the manifestation <clears throat> of this was in the garden where the enemy tempted uh, Adam and Eve, or Adam, they were both Adam at that time, uh, through deception. And so what that did with us was gave us the seeds of iniquity on the inside of us. David said in Psalm 51, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So this fashioning of our personalities in iniquity is very real and that's why we need the new birth and that's why we come to Christ because we begin to feel the wrath of of the enemy against our lives uh, many of us felt like we were going nowhere fast and and really kind of felt like life was ending for us and that's what caused us to cry out to the Lord uh, you know at the right time uh, and was ministered to uh, I had an opportunity to share if you guys remember the woman Jerry the one that led but witness to me she passed away last week and I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to share that testimony uh, with uh, people by letter for her home going and so it's those uh, faithful people who will will freely share their testimony that make a difference in our lives and so uh, she made a difference in my life certainly and, and I know the lives of <clears throat> many other people that she touched by giving her simple testimony and so sometimes it's a simple testimony that will come to us in reflection in our time of need and sometimes you can be in need and God will send somebody to you right there with the answer for you and you're able to reach out to him and as we reach out to him then we're able to step into the process of regeneration where we are really made new creatures we are brought back into uh, the condition that God originally ordained for us but there's an assignment against us and we talked about that assignment the enemy is there to steal to kill and to destroy and he does his destruction through self-destruction in us by influencing us through the iniquity that is in us towards self-hatred and towards self-distrust. Uh, uh, self uh, we don't trust ourselves. We don't feel capable. We don't feel... Um, we, we are just like Adam, hiding ourselves behind a false fig leaf uh, because of our shame. Of, you know, and that's carried out into, uh, you know, uh, our lives until we come into a knowledge of Christ and we can trade that shame in for faith in God and trust in God and in the right covering uh, for our sin and knowing that our sin was purged. Uh, when Jesus died, it was totally annihilated, not just covered now, but we are totally cleansed from all unrighteousness. 
And so, but as we come into that, this is a process, and it is a process that goes on throughout life. So the the assignment to steal, kill, and destroy is what the enemy uh, employs against us. We said that haters convince us of our worthlessness and the worthlessness of others through negative through thought, through negative interpretation of life's experiences. You know, there is a, a scripture that says there is no tr- test, trial, or temptation that's come to you, but such as is common to man. These things commonly happen to people. The enemy, though, would make us think <clears throat> that we're being singled out, that these things are extraordinary, that God doesn't love us because he didn't come through for us here, or he doesn't want me to, to have anything nice because every time I try to have something, I have to you know, uh, go back and, and get something that's not as nice. Or you know, Those kinds of ideas are planted as an assignment against us. Your major uh, issue will be around your new identity. The enemy will fight you more to keep you in the old identity rather than allowing you. He will never allow you the freedom to be who you really are in Christ. And so if he can keep you in doubt about who you are, you know, sometimes when people sin, they they get all depressed and feel worthless and you shouldn't feel that way he says if you confess it he'll forgive you and cleanse you and you think to yourself well how could that be I, I, you know it sounds like i'm taking advantage of god's good well he wants you to take advantage of it to your good and his glory because he feels better about us when we know who we are and we can step up and do what we're intended to do here on the earth than he does if we're feeling bad about something that he's already taken care of see it's like say for instance if if you have a child and you tell him now i'm going to uh teach you how to cook but if you if you don't cook the meal right the first time don't worry about it we can always throw it out and buy more food i just want you to learn how to cook Well, that's what God says to us. I want you to learn how to walk with me and how to be my child. And if you mess up and make a mistake, don't worry about it. You don't get thrown out. Just confess it to me so that we can straighten it out for you. And let's go on and help you to learn how to do this thing. Amen. And so when we think about it that way, of course, it makes perfect sense to us. But the enemy comes to us with a constant bombardment. Of, of our thoughts that tend to work against us. It's your thought life that will work against you. And it's through negative interpretation of your experiences in life. Haters control atmospheres through the prince of the power of the air to set cultural ideas, goals, and customs through popular ideology. So what the enemy does is not only is he implanted ideas in your thought life, through your upbringing, through your experiences, through uh, the things that you've been told since you were very small, and then the enemy helps you interpret them incorrectly and hold on to them, then he also will attack through atmospheres that support those negative ideas. And we'll talk about some of those. 
These haters play on our emotions, our weakness, and our personal insecurity. As though you can do something about it, you see. Once you embrace that you're a weak person and it's your fault, then he's got you. If you embrace that you're weak in some areas and it's your responsibility to get these areas strengthened, then you can get victory. So there's a fine distinction here that we have to make, but it must be made. See, you can't uh, argue with yourself and say, well, I'm not weak. I'm not, you know, say, for instance, if you you were never good at school, you can't lie to yourself and say, well, you know, I was good at school. I was good at this and I was good. at." If you never really put forth the effort, the, the facts will bear you out to be wrong. So the facts will always. But if you say, you know what, I wasn't good at school, but I know within me that God has something for me and I'm good at something. You understand what I'm saying? That may be true and that may have been true then, but God will make the difference for me and he will make the difference in my life. So in one sense, you own it and you're responsible for it, which is wrong because that will cause you to want to blame yourself. In the other instance, you own it, but you take it to the cross and you nail it to the tree and you say it's not a hindrance for me anymore because God has a good plan for my life and anything I lack, he will supply to me and help me with it. Amen. And so this is the way you view life. You can't view it as, as if it's something that's not right. You you bear the brunt of the burden of, of responsibility for it. You can't go through life that way. Jesus told us if we're labored, a heavy laden and burden to come to him and he would take that burden off and give us rest. You know, you want to get into a place where you can relieve yourself of the responsibility of something you have no control over. You got me? And so you take these things to him. You acknowledge that they are there. You acknowledge that you have a problem. Well, you acknowledge these things. But it's not your responsibility to take care of that. You take it to God, and then he helps you to become strong out of that weakness. And if you'll give him time to to work this and and have the faith and confidence that it will work out for you, then God will work a miracle for you, and these haters will leave you alone. But this self-hatred and self-doubt eventually turns on other people, and it begins to be a hatred of people and a doubt of their love for you, a doubt of their confidence, and so forth and so on. And so if the enemy can keep us in this kind of a, a mire of, of uh, thoughts that he plants inside of us, then we are able, we're never able to come out and be who God has called us to be. Sometimes you have to embrace who you are and what you are and understand that God knew all of this from the beginning, but he still ordained a good outcome for you. He has thoughts for an expected end for you. It's going to work. It's going to be good. It's going to be work out okay. And so you have to believe that day by day, minute to minute, hour by hour. You can't lose touch with God and his reassuring you that you're okay and these things will work out okay. You know, I remember that movie that that you know uh as good as it gets and i kept thinking about that title you know and and uh and 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 god spoke to me one time and he said suppose this is as good as it gets you're still going to serve me 
do you still love me? Is that going to change how you feel about me? If this situation never gets to the perfection you think it's supposed to be or you see in my word, are you still going to see? See, God sees us as people in relationship to him. He doesn't see us in relationship to a prophecy, visions, uh, a, a goal, a prayer, or something we prayed for, something we asked for. You understand me? If if you are not married, you never get married. Are you gonna? Is that gonna separate you from the love of God? Does that make God any less God in your life? If, if you understand what I'm saying, suppose this is as good as it gets. Can you do this until Jesus comes and be happy and be content with yourself? Or are you going to continue to hate on yourself because you can't make God bring something to pass that He promised to give to you? So see, this is the wickedness. This is the wickedness that we're up against, folks. Because people have told us that if we have faith, we have great material things. Well, suppose this is is as good as it gets. You'll You'll have food, shelter, nice clothes, be able to come to church and lift up holy hands and not have holy clothes. You got me? And, and just go on and worship God. If, if that's the best, is that going to be okay for you? Is that all right with you? Or are you going to continue to hate on yourself and, and, and think ill of God and God's people, be jealous of his people when they get blessed and all this? Are you going to stay like that? Or are you going to let God be God in your life? And though he slay you, yet will you trust in him? Huh? So when you get to understand that God has ordained one thing and one thing only, that is you conform to the image of his son. And his son loves him completely. And his son trusts him exclusively. There's no distrust between the father and the son. There's no hatred in them toward each other anywhere. And, you know, sometimes I'm really shocked sometimes that the people and, and what they think that God thinks about them because they didn't get some answer to prayer. You got me? And I think to myself, well, if you're still alive, there's still a chance God can bless you with that. What are you mad about? He's not going to bless you if you're angry at him. The covenant don't work in hate. It works by love. Amen? And so when we understand this trap of the enemy to keep us bound in the old identity, I'm never going to have nothing. Nobody's ever going to treat me right. They, they've always done that to me. People have always disliked me. And you don't have to hate back. Amen. Huh? Amen. You don't have to hate back. Amen. You can love people. You know, God will keep things from you just so you can love people. Amen. Huh? He'll hide some things from you just so you don't have to deal with them and be bothered with them. Some of the stupid things people say in in hatred and and uh, you know in in just not wanting what what's good for you or not wanting you to be happy or something like that. Little things people do just because they have hell in them sometimes. And how many of you know we all get a little hell in us sometimes? You just don't feel good about people all the time. We've all done mean things to people. We've all done things we are ashamed of. And so sometimes God will hide things like that from us just so that we can walk in love with people. You know, just just 
those kinds of things, you know. I found something out years later after it had happened, and I thought to myself, I said, is that why that person never really liked me? I, but, you know, it didn't bother me at the time. You know, I dealt with people all the time that were haters. And, I, you know, I made up my mind early. They weren't going to stop me from being me, and I wasn't going to stop them from being them. You understand what I'm saying? So you learn how to not let that stuff penetrate. But when I became aware of it, then some things that that happened made more sense to me. But I thank God for the fact that I didn't know it and was oblivious to it. And God said, do you know what it means that your life is hid with Christ in God? He said, I hide your life so that you can live in this hellish world. He said, I hide it by keeping you in the secret place. Where no foe can come and attack you. Nobody, he said, don't you know I protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks? He does. And he protects us from the words of the enemy. From further damaging our souls with more hateful things that come to, to put us over the edge, so to speak. So that we can never get back and, and retrieve ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? And so God does, does tremendous, tremendous things to help us to walk in our identity and walk in the newness as Christ would have us walk in it. So the haters assigned to our lives, folks, will speak these things. These are spiritual forces. These are demon entities that come to us and, and, and will use our own voice so it sounds like we are talking to ourselves, but they really have infected our thoughts with these ideas that are destructive to us. You ever uh, notice that <clears throat> people who get involved in uh, 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 divination and, and uh mediums and familiar spirits oftentimes that familiar spirit can so imitate the voice of the deceased person that they actually believe they've heard from that individual you understand what i'm saying when they when the devil lets you get that deep into it to hear him speak and it's because the enemy is a master at deception so he will come to you in your own voice and will plant ideas in your mind that are destructive ideas. You would never, nobody in their right mind would ever tell themselves not to go out and look for a job because nobody wants to hire them. But I know many people who live with that all the time because haters have come into and they think that's a valid thought because it's been with them all their lives. See, they've been with them all their lives. Or when you go through a trial of things where you get multiple rejections or you get a lot of no letters or you get a lot of negative response and you quit. It's because that voice has told you, see, I told you, nobody, nobody, nobody told you, no, this wasn't going to work for you. And so when we think about it, who in their right mind would tell themselves if you're going out for success as badly as you need money, as badly as you need a job, who would set out and get all dressed up and go and just believe that they're not going to get something when they get there? But many people do. See, it's happened to you. It's happened to me. We get brain fatigue or we get, get uh, <clears throat> I guess, uh, fatigue of trying and we quit. 
many times we say, well, you know, I just put that on the shelf. No, you didn't. You quit because you were pursuing it for a minute and then something happened. And what happened was somebody on the outside of that voice said exactly the same thing that that voice tells you on the inside. And you got a confirmation and you got a witness that what you think about yourself that's negative is true. And you quit doing it. You quit trying. And so this happens to us all the time because these haters are assigned to defeat your life. They want to steal, kill, destroy. They steal your joy. They steal your purpose. They steal your contentment in life. They steal your peace. So if they can steal the good fruit that feeds your spirit and feeds your soul and makes your soul healthy and vibrant and and alive and active, then they can steal your future. Because if, if the enemy can keep you stumbling over getting out and having the success that God says you are supposed to have, everything you set your hands to will prosper and not fail according to the word of God. What does that mean? Try it. Just set your hand to something. What does that mean? Go out and start doing something. And God says it will all succeed and not fail. Well, how come that doesn't happen for me? You fail yourself because you quit setting your hand to it. See, if the devil can get you to quit obeying the the part of the scripture that you must obey, then you'll never get the end result of it. So the Bible says everything you set your hand to will prosper. What he wants to do is whip you down with negative ideas, self-doubt, self-pity, fear, don't want to go out. Well, what am I going to do that for? It never, It never works for me. And so if he can beat you down with that, And keep you from setting your hand to something. You'll never know if that scripture is for you or not. If it works or not. Because you're not doing the front part. So you won't get the back end. You got me? And so if he. And that's what the haters do. They fill you with so much self-doubt. That you think to yourself. Well I'll never be able to to do that. Uh, You know I I just won't. I won't do it. Many people want an education and they'll start school and they start and they stop and they start and they stop and they start and they stop well i'm here to tell you it takes a lot of determination to accomplish anything in this world you understand what i'm saying competition stiff uh you know oftentimes money's not always there But if you have enough confidence to set your hand to it, once you get into it, then God's there on the other side of obedience to meet you and he'll help you to prosper. And the devil sees that. He sees obedience over here and God's hand of help over here. And what he does is beat you back on the obedience thing and make you quit trying. So you never experience the hand of God that's there to help you on the other side of it. And you go around saying, well, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I have to do it. Well, I prayed about it and God told me I can do it so and so. No, he didn't. If you want it now, why not do it now? See, but if we challenge each other like that, then we're mean people because we don't understand you because the devil's already convinced you you want to fail. See, and you don't set your hand to it. And so what happens then is we have 
gifts, abilities, callings that never get off the ground because the enemy of hatred and self-doubt and self-recrimination is there to stop you from setting your hand to it. Set your hand to it. Set your hand to it. And it'll prosper. It's guaranteed. If you look, it's a joke almost when you think about it. You look at the people who are the richest in this world. They have nothing. Oprah Winfrey's a voice. It's like I'm a voice and you're a voice. You know what the difference is? She kept setting her hand to it. She didn't stop. These multi-million dollar rappers. Cussing. I'm thinking, I said, you can do that now? Where was that when I was, you know, in the world? <laughs> you give me a little old granddad and I can make you a rap music. I put these rappers to shame. You got me? And so what 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 passes for art and and all of that is a joke. But you know what the jokes on the people who are not setting their hand to something because they feel inferior and they feel lack and they feel this and they who's more inferior than somebody who grows up in the ghetto selling drugs? And didn't finish school, can't speak English properly. What's more inferior as far as the world standards of that? But these people have all the money. And they've got intelligent people working for them. And they've got watchdog people working the, watching the intelligent people so they don't steal anything from them. But it's because of something they're doing that somebody else is not. The difference between them and the person who's not successful is in what they do and what they what what do they obey those voices inside of them that tell them they're never going to be anything. But do they move against it and set their hand to something anyway? You see what I'm saying? It's about employing yourself, stepping out there and doing something. That's why the Bible says if you hope in God, you will not be ashamed Because the first thing that happens to you is the devil, when you set your hand to something, it doesn't work. The first time the devil said, ha, see, I told you, he makes you ashamed. And you know what you tell him, devil? You ain't seen nothing yet. You think I screwed that up? I'm getting up 99 days in a row, and I'm screwing something up every day for 99 days if I have to. But on day 100, God's going to come and make that thing prosper for me. You got to know who you're dealing with. You got to talk to him like he's a, a foe. He's outside of you. Don't accept him as being a part of you ever. You know, a lot of times people people grow up sometimes feeling inferior. You know, you don't look as you you know. If you got a sister, she's cute, and you're not. You know what I'm saying? And you you know what you say one day, you know what, devil, I might not be the cutest thing on the outside, but boy, if you check my insides out, if you ever get to see my insides, talk about a thing of beauty. 
It's a joy forever. Huh? Listen, ain't nobody got time for this self-pity. And, and, and wringing your hands and, well, I didn't have this growing up and I didn't have that growing up. And I have, well, you know what? When you start getting it once you're grown, you better spend a whole lot of time gathering it and spinning it up because God sure has it for you. You didn't get a heavy growing up, you still have an inheritance in him. I would say get to setting your hands to something so he can prosper you. Get to getting. <laughs> Accepting lack comes from some level of self-hatred. When you accept lack in your life, there's something working on you on some level that makes you feel that it's okay to accept that. See, it's a diminishment, a diminishing in your uh, uh, view of who you are. You're an heir. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You are a righteous person. You're a holy person. Maybe you need to look the words up so they mean a little bit more to you. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, do what you got to do, but make sure you get an accurate picture of who you really are. This is not just God says you are and that doesn't mean anything. I mean, God says you are and that's all there is to the story. You got me? There's no ifs, ands, and buts there. There's no, no exceptions to the rule. This is who you are and you act accordingly. And so when God comes in, he has the ability to make this real to us. But we have to start to employ this on a mental level where when imaginations come to diminish your ability to accomplish what God tells you to do, then you have to cast those down and you can't uh, consider those things. Huh? We're talking about the consider nots. We consider way too many things that are contrary to God's word. So if you consider consider the fact that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All spiritual blessings. That means nothing's off limit to you. Anything you need to accomplish what God you set your hand to down here, God will make it so for you. You just got to trust and believe God. And in the waiting process, don't let the haters start beating you up and giving you a reason for why it's taking so long. You got me? Honey, long is, is pretty relative to me. Devil, what do you mean by long? See, he's the only one that get, puts time in your way. That's where that comes from, from him. Because if he can't get you on anything else, he'll put time in your way. If time bugs you, you'll be a slave to it. Do you understand me? It's like, you know, young people, I, I'm getting old. I got, I got to get married before I get so-and-so. And you jump up and marry the first person that looks warm and breathing. <laughs> because time, you felt like time was running out. Now you're serving time till death do you part. 
Don't get me started. Oh, I got to kick it while I'm you. You keep kicking it while you young. Be looking like them real house whores. They look like a bunch of he whores. You can't tell if it's a man or a woman. They so skinny and ugly, and they had silicone pumped everywhere. They don't. They look grotesque. They don't even look like people anymore. It's scary. It's some scary stuff. On they creep me out. It's scary people on television call themselves normal people. And then we, you know, people sit there and want to be that. And I'm thinking to myself, come on now. Forces of poverty that accept lack will attack your soul with ideas that make prosperity and success seem wrong to you. Now, we can all say, oh, God wants you prize. Yes, amen, 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 amen. But when it comes right down to it, when the enemy begins to attack you, you start to, to, start to <clears throat> envision yourself in a, a, a bigger house, nice property, uh, you know, a new car or a newer model car, whatever it is you set your, your sights on. And you think about that for a good 10 minutes and see if something don't come up and slap you. It's not really a voice, it's not really, but it's a no that comes forth real strong on the inside of you. Huh? Then you walk around telling people, well, you know, some of these people, they have all this stuff. No, you start hating on people that's got stuff. You got me? I don't know where they're getting it from. They must be stealing it. Huh? They don't have to be stealing anything. They just set their hands to it. But see, once you get in you that things that God wants you to have are wrong, then you, you'll have to work to uproot that thing out of there. That, that thing is your enemy. It's not your friend. You got me? It's not your friend. You know, I hear sometimes, you know, there's, there's in, in the enemy works in extremes. You're either running out of time and got to make a stupid decision real quick. Or you're afraid to set your hand to something and you let time creep up on you and then you can be out of time. You understand what I'm saying? Most people want to get married before they're 50 and 60 years old. You understand what I'm saying? But, but if you make up your mind somehow that marriage is wrong for you, not for everybody else. But when it comes to you, you're waiting on the right person. And let me tell you something. There is no such animal. There is no such concept. There is no such being as the right person. People are not right or wrong. You understand what I'm saying? They just believe God or they don't. See, what you want to do, you want to get to believing God that this is something that he has for you and you embrace it and you understand it and you expect it. That's all you got to do. 
You don't have to sit around and make excuses. Well, you know, you're getting to be 30. When are you going to get married? When the right person comes up, well, you're going to be 60. Because that person don't exist. You understand me? There's no such thing as waiting for a the right person. You're either in faith, expecting, and believing God, and you have a healthy understanding of marriage, and you're ready to serve that person and love them with all of your heart. Now, if any of that turns you off, then Lucy, you got some working to do on the inside of you. Huh? Because you ain't waiting for nothing. If your idea about it is negative, you know, people, you can locate where you where you live. Let me tell you how you locate it. If I come in here and I just bought something really nice for my husband, I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cook his favorite meal. <laughs> you know, y'all don't show it, but I feel that. <laughs> and something in you says, hmm. Scornful spirit. See, that's a hater on the inside of you. Hating love that serves. And there's no other kind of love out there in God but love that serves. So you get enough love that serves in your heart. And guess what? You'll have all kind of possibilities. You'll have all kinds of opportunities. You gotta have, you'll have all kind of people, the right kind of people. Huh? You get the right kind of love on the inside of you. But you keep that little harumph on the <laughs> Coco does that to me. You know, she wants something and, and I won't give it to her. She'll get in front of me, just cussing me out. I said, don't you harumph me, little scornful thing you. I ain't giving you nothing. You understand what I'm saying? And see, we have that on the inside of us, that <laughs> wouldn't do you don't catch me doing glad i ain't married so you told on yourself because there's something in you that's hating it and hating it for you you got me and you can go around here and minister to people and tell them what the scriptures say about marriage and all this kind of stuff that you've heard your pastors say but you don't really read in the bible for yourself and you don't believe it five minutes worth for you huh you can recite it, you can talk about it, you tell, but when it comes, <clears throat> I'm glad I ain't married. I go home when I want to. Huh? I do too. I did too when I was married, but I did discuss it with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to go home at that time. Because <laughs> he told me he expected me there at that time. If I come in late, I'm getting it. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> now that scared a lot of people, didn't it? Oops, oops, my bad. <laughs> huh? You respect that person you're married to. You'll sit up there and back talk them and tell them you coming home when you want to. You'll find that key bouncing back in your hand when you <laughs> go to put it in the door and it don't work. Huh? Some of these brothers, they'll lock you out. Don't tell me they won't. <laughs> they call a locksmith faster than they can dial 911. So you stupid enough to say you want to come home when you want to? I'll show you who's the boss around here. See, that right there is not a marriage. 
So that's nonsense right there. That's trouble looking for a place to start. There's a fire getting ready to happen. You understand what I'm saying? When you don't respect that person's mental comfort enough to let them know what time to expect you to come in there and you live there and they do too, something wrong with you. Your parents uh, demand that much. How'd I get over there? I wanted to. I wanted to. Look <laughs> who moved up. We moved to the head of the class now. We had a graduate student sitting up here. <laughs> but we got to watch that harump on the inside of us. You know, that scornful. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. Well, you won't be one of the the few, the proud, the married. <laughs> huh? <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about the family hustled. H-U-S-T-L-E-D. The family hustled. Because these haters will hustle your whole family bloodline you got me these are assignments that are made to families not just to individuals so when the enemy wants to take you down he wants to take down the whole ship that's why when god offers salvation to one it's a household deal because when the enemy does his his uh assignment he's assigned against a whole bloodline So we are taught hate in family settings. The enemy is assigned to cause us to fail through creating weakness in us and teaching it to the entire family. So you will find drug addiction throughout a family, alcoholism throughout a family. You'll have children grow up with an alcoholic parent and hate it and they wind up being alcoholics themselves now this is something that perplexes psychologists but it makes perfect sense to somebody who understands spiritual forces that that spiritual force as long as the devil's got your attention he's really got you you got me as long as you have the energy to dislike somebody who's an alcoholic your chances of giving in to that are greater than if you would forgive them and love them and not dwell on it. You see what I'm saying? The things that you give your attention to are the things that have captured you already in your thinking. And it won't be long before they convince you to let them move further into your life and they begin to control you. So the enemy has, has built this inbred desire in us to understand and control things that we dislike you get stuck on something you just can't quite let it go this bugs you and every time it comes up you know if you've lived at all with a an alcoholic or a person that drinks you're always on edge regarding their drinking you're expecting them to drink again So much on edge, you start to drink yourself, but you're not like them. You're different. Huh? Because you don't see yourself in the same way they do. 
And that's how the enemy gets the family. That's how he hustles a whole family. Because you can look at something with disdain and you can look at it with disgust. But as long as you're looking at it, then the enemy has your attention. You got me? So if you can get to the point where you don't let it move you one way or the other, you have to give it to God. You have to expect God to intervene. You've got to expect God's word to come to pass. You have to have an expectation in God in order not to embrace that thing in the wrong way. So you begin to embrace another person's trouble. You begin to embrace another person's weakness by the amount of attention that you give it. That's why the Bible tells us to, son, attend to my word. Not what you see, not weakness, not fault finding, not hating, but attend to my word and give your full attention to it. Don't let it be split between you and the haters that feel like as long as you ever feel like as long as you you dislike something that's good because you're a Christian and you're not supposed to like certain things. But see, you can dislike things in an obsessive way where you're going through too much trouble to prove that you dislike it. You got me? And so we can get in a, a place where the enemy, it's, it's not really, your dislike is not clean. It's not like it's supposed to be. Somehow it's a little bit over the edge and that thing has got some kind of grip on you. And so we have to be careful to take these things to God and ask him, God, how should I feel about, you know, a church, you know, church people sometimes need, how do I feel about backslidden preachers? How do I feel about homosexuals? How am I supposed to? God put me in the right frame of mind and thought regarding this thing so I don't let it work in me and get in me the wrong way. Because there are people, I'll tell you, there are preachers who have have started preaching a very watered down gospel because they never went to God with how they are supposed to respond to certain types of people in sin. So that they know how to minister to them and their hearts pure toward it and all that kind of stuff. They never check it out between them and God. And they wind up with some twisted, convoluted thing that they've made up themselves in an attempt to make them seem like they love people. When they're really compromising on sin. They're really not caring if those people go to heaven or go to hell. They're not praying for them or anything like that. And so we have to be careful, folks, but we're not getting hustled by the haters because they will try it. They'll get inside your mind regarding certain things and you make up your mind about them and you can trap yourself into a a response that's going to stay with you your whole lifetime if you don't understand how to process this level of hate sometimes that the enemy will put in you because of somebody's weakness. See, sometimes if you have, say, for instance, you have a parent who's an alcoholic and you may dislike that person very strongly because they caused you pain in your life. They disappointed you in your life and all this kind of stuff. If you're not careful, you'll make yourself you'll get such an extreme emotional reaction to that that you'll make some type of stupid vow on the inside of yourself. Will you swear to yourself 
and you hold yourself to a certain response in a certain situation. This is where people get themselves in trouble and can't forgive. Well, I saw I saw my my dad beat my mother or I saw her boyfriend beat her and I swore to myself if I ever got See? It's the inner vow where you see something that you think is so bad instead of going in and forgiving it, you vow to yourself that if you ever get involved in it, this is going to be your automatic reaction to it. And you don't put God in it. You don't let God help you. you don't, but you already made up your mind that you're only going to go so far in certain situations. And if it gets to a certain point, now that's where I bail. I, I'm not taking that from nobody. <laughs> You've been hustled. Because guess what? The devil will hook you up with somebody who is just like that. Because in your in your self-pity and in your shame and in your uh, uh, guilt, you look at, well, you know, my dad, he was a pretty nice guy. He wasn't that bad. See? Instead of hating him with pure hatred, you try to modify it a little bit. And you start to pick out little good points. Well, then if there's good points, guess what you're doing? You're looking for somebody with those same good points that you think dad had. But they got the alcohol, too. So you wind up being drawn to somebody who is a carbon copy of daddy, alcohol and everything. But see, you've sworn to yourself that if you ever get in a situation, somebody, he started drinking too much and he get to, and messing up the money, I'm out of here. So you've already set yourself up for failure because of the inner vow where the hatred is so deep. You've got to have a built-in way to protect yourself from the hurt of it. So that's why you immediately find an exit for yourself instead of going into it with a pure heart and a heart of love until death do us part. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all get where I'm coming from. And so you have to find a way in God to break these inner vows. You got me? You got to find a way to repent, forgive, walk in love. And be fearless about the person that you would marry, that you would date, that you would befriend, anything like that. You have to be fearless in your relationships and let God determine your relationships. Let him bring people to you, faults and all. Make up your mind you're going to love them regardless of what. You're going to forgive them uh, 70 times 7 in one day. Whatever you have to do, you're going to line up with God's word or you're going to be hustled for the rest of your life. Trying to protect yourself against something that you probably didn't even interpret the right way to begin with. You got me? And so if we don't get our identity straight, we are invincible people. That doesn't mean that we can't be hurt. But you have a healer that nailed himself to that cross to pay for any uh, offense somebody does, any damaging words they say to you, any way they treat you that's not fair. He died to heal you from that. And you don't have to be a scornful and a negative and self-protected person in life because you don't trust that God has spared you from all of that. That affliction will not come on you a second time. I don't care what kind of affliction it is. 
But see, if you're a new creature, you understand that, that all that nonsense you talk to yourself and what haters have told you to feel toward people and how they've robbed you of a decent life, you can understand that all of that is in the past. But if you don't reckon it dead and reckon yourself dead to it, you come alive to the flesh in any way, then the enemy has license to bring all that nonsense right back into your life again. And he'll do it in real relationships. You'll see somebody who, you know, if you're a young person, somebody you might like or you might think you might want to consider praying about it. Maybe this is the one. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And then your your little hater radar will start. <laughs> and they get instantly disqualified because your radar goes off. Huh? On something that's not even real. Huh? You don't even see it the right way. Huh? Or we get into self-loathing. You just don't like yourself. And every day you don't like yourself. You never go to God with it. You know, God, you know, I've never liked myself since I was little. And I don't understand why. But you're telling me. That I'm accepted in the beloved. You're telling me that I'm altogether beautiful, just like you are beautiful. You're telling me that I'm a sought-after person. I'm a valuable person. God, I want to believe that. Huh? That's the prayer. I want to believe it. Be honest with yourself. I don't believe it right now, but I want to believe it. And as long as you got your want-tos in line with God's will, God will make it happen for you. You'll start to to manifest this beauty, and, and you'll begin to draw people to you. But if you still think you're you're a wrong person, you'll constantly be trying to hide it, constantly covering it up, constantly masking it in something that looks like spirituality, always masking it in something that looks like intellect or looks like you know you're you're confident or looks like always pretending. And so God wants to keep us from being hustled for the rest of our lives. Get you to where you can receive the promises of God. And you're not stopping God from from doing what he wants to do in your life. And helping your life. And supporting what what he puts inside of you. Because he, he he doesn't want to see us ripped off anymore, folks. He wants to see us receive everything that, that he has for us. So these these spiritual forces will visit families and cause destruction and fear. Drugs will will take out a whole generation. You'll look at a family and see all the kids strung out. In the parents' generation, it was alcohol. The children, now it's drugs and pills. You can't get surgery now without being an addict. Did you know that? It's expected that if people have to take painkillers for any length of time after they've had a simple operation, they'll Betty Ford. See, we have her to thank for that. Because now it's easy to conceive that somebody is an addict just from, listen, people have had surgery forever. Ever since the first uh, uh, barber had enough nerve to clean off a knife and stick it into somebody, and give them some whiskey to drink to deaden the pain, people have been having surgery. And we have never had as many people addicted 
to prescription medication now as we do now. Now, why is that? Are they really addicts or did the devil go in with the pill and they expected to come out dependent upon it because of what's said in the atmosphere, what the haters say? Well, you know, if you start taking those, you take them longer than two or three weeks and you you about to be hooked. Hmm? And then that devil starts talking to you. Oh, no, if you if you don't take me four times a day, you're going to get sick and I'll prove it to you because I'll make you sick. Huh? And you sit there and you not take it for a while and you expect to get sick. And guess what? You get sick and you go get another pill. You see, so the devil does a good PR for himself. See, he's always prophesying to us, broadcasting what he's going to do to you. You get over in here and I got you. And people find themselves over there and you got to make up your mind. Is he got me or doesn't he have me? You see what I'm saying? And so when we start understanding how these forces get us inside of the level inside of us in the level they want to get inside of us then they're able to manipulate our thinking to submit to them and take whatever they give us you see what i'm saying you don't you're not a person anymore that can make decisions and choices you have to take whatever the devil gives you because you're weak remember when when uh, aa first started really the person that they call the sponsor now your sponsor was really the person who sat with you day and night while you uh, dried out. They called it drying out. And you didn't get any goodies that they give you now. You know, the ease of, you know, you get withdrawal and you have this and that. Listen, the first people that got people off alcohol sat with them while they had DTs for days. And they sat with them while they <clears throat> sweated for four days and hallucinated day and night. But they knew they would come out of it on the other end. And it was good for them because after you go through that hell getting off that stuff, your chances of wanting to get back on it are slim to none. And slim just left town. And so when you understand that there is a method to the human human ability to to assert the power of choice and a, a will decision, a decision of your will to let your will decide which way your life is going to go and the power that's in that. That's a far cry from what we have now. Well, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, alcoholism, that's a disease. But, you know, like, like uh, heart disease or, or cancer, and it's a disease. So what does that mean? We're supposed to, we're just supposed to let it happen. You see what I'm saying? And feel sorry for people when it happens. And don't get too hard. Oh, please don't take their pills. You mean going to take all their pills away? Oh, you can't do that because we're dealing with a disease here. You see? And so what we have is people who are taught that they don't know how to control themselves. That once something, one thing happens to them, they're just a victim throughout the rest of their life. And to make it worse, the government will tell you that you're disabled. And they'll send you a check every month just so you don't show up and try to get a job and try to be somebody and make something out of yourself. Do you understand me? And so we've crippled not just one generation, but many generations of people. And then we take these people and God through his mercy 
gets them into the new birth, but then they've got to get all of this junk out of them and off of them so that they can have a normal mind to believe that God could ever use somebody like them. And how's he ever going to use me when I can't do anything right? And all the family history, everybody in my, hist- in my family has been on drugs and, and been a drunk of some kind. It's been some kind of a failure. Or we've had five generations on welfare. How am I ever going to be a self-supporting person? How am I ever going to come out of this? And so all of this, the haters begin to hustle us. When they start planting these ideas in us that we will never, that word never is, is a pet word of the devil and of the haters. Because they lock you in for a lifetime with that word. You're never going to. Oh no, you, you, uh-uh, you're never going to find somebody who loves you and your kids too. Oh no, you're never going to find somebody like that. It's, they, you know, that's, that's just unheard of. Who do you think you are? And so when you start understanding how the enemy has stacked the deck against you, you'll understand why God in his great love has given us so much. He's given us so much forgiveness. He's given us so much grace to enable us to come out of these things, to think like new people. You ever get a new people thought out of nowhere? Where you've been telling yourself all this time you can't do it, you're not worthy, nobody cares, nobody wants you, nobody that. And all of a sudden, you get this wonderful thought to yourself. You know what? I'm looking at so-and-so, and she's happily married, and she got this. And I know God will do it for me if he did it for her. And then the hater will come and slap you back down again and say, what are you doing? Do you know who she is? She had ex whole ex drug addict just like I was, and I think they call them redeemed now, if I'm not mistaken. She's bought back, and I think I can have what she has at least, if not more, huh? <laughs> because God has told me that I can ask anything in my name, in His name, and He'll do it for me. Addictions are always the result of spiritual assignments against a family, and they are fueled by witchcraft. We've never had such people in such weakened, impotent conditions now since witchcraft has been released on the earth to the magnitude that it has. When I say witchcraft, I mean uh, in uh, frequency of drug use, availability of drugs, on a legal and an illegal scale, like it never has been before. Everything that the enemy says about human weakness, he says it to keep you weak. So the reports of the, the hustlers about and the haters about your weakness are designed to get you to accept it and keep you weak. So it digs a big hole for you. And even though you're saved, and even though you have the word, and even though you pray in tongues, it's still hard for you. It's still hard. You're going to have a hard time getting over that. It just doesn't happen overnight. One of the ways that he further 
destroys us is through sexual sin and immorality. He will tell people that they can't they can't not have sex even though they're not married. You see, you, you just can't stay away from that. You you got to do that. Oh no, that, that's impossible to do. You it's just something you just uh uh-uh, I don't care. A horse is out of the barn door. Well, you can't close the barn door after the horse is gone. You understand what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. And so you're just my slave now. Huh? You're my little sex slave. So once I got you, I got you. Amen? And so <clears throat> these things tend to run not only in families, but spiritual wickedness from society supports it as well. Because now we have all of these so-called rights. Of young people. So now young people, if you, you know, parents, if you have a daughter that wants birth control pills, she can go to somebody in her school and tell them, and they are not allowed to tell you what your own child is getting. Mm-hmm. Because you, there's rights now that they have. And if they are being treated for a sexually transmitted disease, they don't have to tell you as a parent. They can just treat that child and you know nothing. They can get an abortion without the parents knowing about it. All of this stuff is done to encourage uh, sexual immorality and promiscuity. And so when you get involved with somebody on that level, on that type of demonic level, then the enemy is able to put inside of your soul any type of spiritual force he wants you to further destroy you. That's why people's image of themselves tends to diminish the more sexual partners they've had. Their their sense of self-worth goes down, 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 down every single time. And so the enemy convinces them, see, that last one you had, he didn't want you either. You didn't get no ring out of him. You didn't get no ring. Nobody wants you. Look at, look at you. You didn't look good no more. You used to look good when I first employed you to be a hoe. <laughs> now you ain't looking like nothing. Talk like, talk dirty to you like old Mac Daddy, old pimp or something, you know. Go clean yourself up. You used to look nice. You ain't looking like nothing no more. That's the truth. So, you know, by the time a lot of these young women do decide they want to do the legal thing, they just, well, you know, I don't want to have babies just out of wedlock. I'm going to find me a donor. You know, that's really what it amounts to. There's no love there. There's no commitment there. There's no even... Uh, pretense of a commitment it's just let's go do this because you know if a woman can talk a man into marrying her then she'll do it whether he's you know really into it voluntarily or not you know i was telling them i was talking to pastor shirley about this i say remember back in the day you you had too much self-respect to go chase some dude somewhere i don't chase you you chase me you want me, you call me. I ain't calling you. <laughs> Depends on what you want to be called, but I ain't calling you, not for no date or nothing. Like, I'm, I'm desperate. 
you know, women had too much self-respect to even go there. Now they calling you up all the time, got you on speed dialing. I thought you was going to call me. Well, hey, if, you, if you ain't going to call me, then don't say you're going to call me. He don't want to talk to you. Will you hang up? And I can see why. And if he got any sense, he will keep running. That brother over in in uh, Iowa somewhere, we're looking for Route 66 to get as far away from Detroit as uh, Cleveland as he can. So just let that brother run on. When sexual immorality is involved, it adds more wrath to the mix because there's extreme hatred involved in sexual sin there's lust hate and murder we pray against that the lust hate and murder triad they always come in threes so you get the hatred and you get the murder as well mostly now in our society the murder is being played out through abortion the killing of innocent children but you've seen it yourself somebody's adultery somebody's in adultery the spouse gets mad and goes shoots everybody up you got me so lust hate and murder travel together now the reason we don't see the murder outright is because the enemy sneaks that in as a surprise package huh so if if you know that person is jealous the first thing that that happens is the enemy will fuel the wrath through jealousy they don't want well, you can't breathe they they're taking your pulse all the time like a nurse or something you understand what i'm saying feeling you out to see what you think where you're going what you want to do all this kind of stuff just won't let you alone so there's a jealousy there where they want to possess you because they're giving you something they think you can't do without you got me? So they feel you owe them something. So they want to possess you. So the jealousy comes in to cut you off. Jealousy separates and severs people from normal relationships. So the jealousy comes. And see, jealousy can be a little flattering too. Oh, he liked me. Huh? Our men do it too. Oh yeah, this one she, yeah, huh? She sprung. She passed. Whoop. She sprung. You got me? Yeah. Everybody understands what I'm talking about now. Huh? Isn't that where when you're in the world, that's where you want to get them. You want to get them sprung. Uh huh. So then they do anything you tell them to do, and just yeah, baby, I, I you know go buy me some. Okay. Next thing you know, she done bought a forty-five, cause she saw some other woman's number in your phone. Mm-hmm. Well, I just figured if I can't have you, nobody can. See, when they say that with a gun up your nose, it means something totally different than if they say it without one. 
So enough immorality, enough drugs, the person becomes destroyed. We got a lot of semi-destroyed people walking around, and we have a lot of walking zombies that their reputations have been destroyed there because of the the wrath that's fueled by the haters the self-haters people like uh uh michael jackson the way he was lifted up by many people but then the haters just couldn't stand it and they had to come and try and destroy him so much so that he just left the country and didn't want to be bothered with people anymore you understand what i'm saying and eventually died way young because he couldn't even sleep at night because the haters tormented him day and night. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was nothing wrong with him except that he allowed the enemy to get in there nonstop, pulling him down in his own mind. The more he tried to work hard to be the best at his craft and lift himself up, the more the enemy came and tore him down more with false accusation and things of that nature. You see what I'm saying? So this, how, this is how the family gets hustled. You know, they start out as as five talented children pushed by their dad to be the best that they could be. You know, people call it abuse, call it what you want to. But them boys made a lot of money when some people couldn't. You understand what I'm saying? All they had to do was forgive daddy and keep stepping and go make their money and be happy. And so, so this is how it starts. You start out by diminishing the person. In some way, taking away from them and stealing from them that which God has put in them to glorify him and and bless humanity, to be a blessing to humanity. He takes it away from us. Tiger Woods is another one. As quick as he was built up in the minds of people, immediately when the enemy got something on him, he destroyed him with it. Tried to. Trying to be on his way up, but it's a long way up after you fall a long way down. O.J. Simpson, in jail now. Simply because he crossed a line that he wasn't supposed to cross and the haters hated him for doing it. You got me? And so if they can push you and push you to self-destruct, then they will get you to self-destruct. This is why God commands us to love. It's a commandment. You got me? Love, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I put this agape in you for you to use first on yourself. Learn how to forgive yourself for your shortcomings. Learn how to love yourself and believe what, that what I tell you about you is the only thing that's true about you. You don't believe what the haters have told you all your life. And if you'll fight it, and you'll fight it on a level where God can help you with it and keep it before God and let him perfect you in the way he wants to perfect you, then nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be withheld from you. Every blessing that you see, you reach out for will be given to you because you really know you're reaching out as a person who knows who they are and not somebody who hates and doesn't really like themselves and doesn't really know and and is unsure and insecure about themselves. You'll be reaching out as a secure person in God who just believes what God says in spite of what people have told me, in spite of what they tend to try and make me think, and in spite of what I invent and blame it on people, which is a whole nother ball of wax. But a lot of stuff that we come up with and we say it's people, it's us blaming people because we can't accept responsibility for what we think that's wrong. 
And we don't know how to forgive ourselves and walk in love toward ourselves enough. See, when you have enough self-love, you won't have a problem loving other people. You won't have a problem. And you won't be right there to accuse somebody. Every time they have a slip-up, you want to point it out. You won't be that kind of person anymore. Because you'll understand what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Because you've forgiven yourself enough where you know how to forgive others. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for understanding. And Father, we thank you that we will not be haters and we will not be hated. We're working on it, God. This is something that we work on every day. We don't have to be haters. We don't have to be blamers. We don't have to point the finger. We don't have to feel good about other people's faults and shortcomings. You know, in the church, sometimes we're as bad as people who make fun of crippled people because we see the cripple among us that are struggling to get out of this bondage of hatred and we mock them and we don't show them compassion and we don't show them understanding. And we need to repent. We need to do better. We need to look at them. First, love yourself. You know, there's something wrong with fault finding in others because you probably got a lot in yourself that you're not talking about. And so if we'll learn how to quit finding fault, period. Huh? You're not all you could be by any means. You got me? And so if we'll work on us, leave other people alone. Let people work on people. You got to let God work on them. And then, and then learn how to love yourself. Be all that you can be. Huh? While you're, while you're picking at somebody else, be everything you can be. Huh? Have you tried that? Some things you still don't master, work on them. Some things you know you need to do better, work on them. Some things you keep lying to yourself about. You never tried doing them and you say you don't like them. Work on yourself. Because if it's something that God has for you, he's holding you. He's, he's holding it for you. And he intends to give it to you. But you've got to have your identity right. See, Once our identity is correct and right about ourselves, we'll easily forgive people. We'll see their faults as small things, not things to talk about all the time. We'll want to bless people and genuinely love and help them. Not just do it because it's expected, but do it because it's from your heart. You really want to help somebody. Dig in there with love and support and undergird them in the right way. And see, blessings will flow to us. It, it'll come to us with such ease because you, you'll be a holy person, a reverent person of God, and somebody who respects God and the assignment he has for you and others because you want to be a help to humanity and not a hindrance. Amen? So, Father in heaven, we do thank you. And we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to come up higher in you, to leave behind self-hatred, self-doubt, insecurity, and with that to leave a doubt of others and hatred of others and insecurity toward others, Father. We thank you for exposing these things to us, but yet, Lord, helping us to get in there and get rid of them because they're not from you and we can renounce them and we can be free and clear of everything that would be a fault-finding and a backbiting influence in our lives. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Amen.
And the Lord was uh, showing me something about you, Chris. He says that you're, um, he said you've seen some things. He said you, you've looked at people with the eyes of Christ. And the Lord is saying he's gifted you to see as he sees. That you've looked into the eyes of uh, lost humanity, sick humanity, weak humanity. And you see Jesus in another form. And that gives you the ability to reach out to people and love and to love them as only God would love them, <clears throat> to serve as God would have you to serve. And the Lord is saying that sometimes you wonder and you question, is this all there is? is isn't there more? Isn't, there, isn't it more than this? And the Lord is saying, that's the height of what I've called men to be, is conformed to my image. And he said, I started you out at the height of things that you might reach into the depths of things and see humanity as I see humanity and rescue dying humanity and rescue lost humanity and bring them up to a level of dignity that only one who sees as I see can bring them, says the Lord. And this is a gift, said the Lord, and this is a calling, says God that you would see Jesus in many forms and treat them as such. Treat them as valuable. Treat them as whole when they're broken. Treat them as fulfilled when they're poverty-stricken. Treat them as, as gifted when they're lost. And treat them as well when they're not. And so the Lord says, I've given you this, this great faith, to see as I see and to... Uh, minister out of that great love that I've given you for humanity, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless this brother, Lord. Bless him to be endowed with what you have for him. Weigh him down with the gold and the silver and the anointing that you've ordained from him, for him from the foundation of the earth. And let it not stop, but let it always increase. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Okay. Anybody got prayed for? Anybody need prayer that didn't get prayer? Praise God. We don't have much to pack up and clean up, but we got to do it in 30 minutes. So why don't we do that? And uh, we are dismissed. Amen. Praise God. Love don't hate. Amen. (laughs) Love yourself. Dig yourself. Everybody dig yourself. <laughs>